Hallelujah. Are you guys having fun so far? Was last night amazing? Did you guys get something out of it? You know, today was kind of a crazy day. Um, we, my little boy, Ezra, if any of you know him, he plays soccer. And like three years ago, he was that kid on the field who was like looking up into the sky and like lifting up his shirt and, you know, singing and dancing while, the, you know, the ball goes right by him. And so, but something has happened, like some kind of something has gotten a hold of him in the last year or so. And he's really, he's turned into this little maniac out there. And he's like talking trash on the field. And I mean, he's eight years old. Like, dude, calm down. Like the coaches are, you know, the reps are starting to look at him like, hey, you need to reel this guy in, right? And he's completely not like that. Like, if you know anything about his character, he's, he's super relaxed. But anyway, we were out in the cold today, and it was, it was super cold, but we wanted to prep for that this morning. And so we get up, and, and we're trying to get everything together, and everybody's, like, layering up with clothes because we know we're going to be outside all day long. And I'm fixing breakfast, right? And I hear him going up the stairs, and just out of nowhere, he goes, so Like, as loud, I mean, it, everybody freaks out, like, what in the world is going, I didn't even respond, like, just, I'm not even going to ask what's going on, just go on up the stairs, let's get ready, I'm glad to know that this conference is so touching my family. The word sozo means saved, healed, preserved, rescued, it comes from the Greek word soteria, which, which means saved and rescued from destruction and brought into divine safety. Now, when Pastor Jeff was up here last night, he was sort of giving an admonition to the church. He was sort of giving a, a challenge to the church. And he's talked about this. If you've been here for the last few months, he's talked about this a little bit. And, and we, know, we know a couple of things, right? We know that there's a peripheral, like there's a group of people who's going to be coming and going all the time, who's going to be rotating. They're coming in and they're seeking for something. They're looking for something extra in life. They don't, so, some of them don't even know if they believe in God. They just want to come. They, they want to hear what's going on. But then he talks about this group, and I'll call it a core. He talks about this core who's coming in just to see the face of Jesus, who really want something deeper. And he's talked about us moving from lambs to sheep, right? From, from casual observers to people who are full-fledged followers of Jesus Christ. We're willing to give up anything. We're willing to, to go anywhere, depending on what the Lord wants to say to us, right? And so he's, he's mentioned this idea a couple of times, and he's, and he's talked about feeding and tending. And that that's the, vi and it comes out from a, a conversation that Jesus had with Peter, and he said, Peter, do you love me? You guys have heard the story. He, he says, you need to feed my sheep. And so last night, Pastor Jeff is up here, and he's talking to us, and he's, he's talking to us about what this church is called to be. And he says something, I'm going to kind of paraphrase this, and I'm probably butchering it, but he basically says this, that that calling, that isn't, that isn't Jeff and Jess. That is this body of believers. That is this congregation. And I see something happen, and I see a shift. You know, even, so first of all, let me just say this. Let, let me just congratulate you and admonish you, because this church, this congregation has been a drink of water for my family. Like, we came in here, and some of you guys don't even know us, and, and man, just after church, like, somebody will come up, and they'll just say something so precious to us, or they'll pray for us, or and, and I see you guys laying hands on each other, and the gifts are beginning to move, and I see what, what he talked about. He talked about from this year's Sozo Conference to the next year's, we want to be able to see a trend. We want to be able to see growth. We want to be able to see change, right? So let me ask you this. When people come in, and we're to feed them because that is our calling, right? We're to feed them. What are we truly feeding them? What are we truly giving to them? Have you ever stopped and thought about that? It's not a trick question. It's not, there's nothing. What are we supposed to feed to, to other people? Any thoughts? Any idea? You guys can say, you can say something if you want. Jesus, okay, abs hope. Absolutely. What else? Anything else? That when people come in, what they're, what, what, what they're expecting to receive, and more importantly, what Jesus expects us to give to them, love, acceptance, anything else? Truth. 
Yeah, absolutely. So I think all of these things, and I think a lot of these things, just as, as Jeff was saying up here, they can be summed up in Jesus. And I'll, I'll take it even one step further, and I'll say a lot of these things can be summed up in the character of God, in the character of who God is. See, I believe that a lot of people are out there, and they're wondering what God is truly like, because a lot of different people say a lot of different things. There are a lot of different churches, and that's why we have a kajillion denominations out there who believe that God is, his goodness goes up to a certain extent, and, but it may not go past that extent. And everybody's kind of got this different line, and everybody's kind of got this different feel on, on what they believe God looks like. Well, Hebrews chapter 1 says this, that in times past that God spoke to us through a lot of different ways, but today he speaks to us directly through his son, Jesus Christ, who is the express image of who God is. So if you want to know what God looks like, you need to look no further than Jesus. Because Jesus is the exact image of who God is. So when, when people come in here, you know, as, as good as we can be up here, as good as the as talented as these music, musicians are, we could go in the world and we could find better musicians. As great of a public speaker as Pastor Jeff might be, we could go find a better public speaker in the world. What we have to give to them is a true encounter with Jesus Christ and a true revelation of his character. See, there's this, there's this marriage in the Bible between two things. Between feeding, between feasting, between partaking, communing together, and, and the revelation of the character of who, God's, of who God is. When, uh, I don't know if you guys remember this story, but there's this story when Jesus... Uh, he had first uh, risen from the dead. It was the day that he rose from the dead, actually. And there's these two disciples, and one's name is Cleopas, and the other one, we don't know his or her name. But they're walking to this city on the way back to, uh, 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 on the way to this place called Emmaus. They're walking from Jerusalem. It's about a seven-mile walk. And all of a sudden, Jesus shows up to them, right? And they're talking. They're talking about everything that's happened over the past week. And believe me, the last week didn't look like they thought it was going to look. They thought it was going to look very different. They thought Jesus was going to come and he was going to restore Israel and put it in its right place. And, and everything was going to be great after that, right? And Jesus shows up and he says, hey, what are you guys talking about? They look at him like he's an alien, right? Are you the only guy in all of Jerusalem who doesn't know what's going on? This man Jesus came and he was preaching great things. And he's a great teacher and we know that. And he did mighty miracles and we were hoping that he would be the Messiah, but you know what they did? They took him, they killed him, and they put him in a borrowed tomb. And just this morning, some disciples came to us and said that his body was removed. So we came to check it out ourselves. Sure enough, his body is missing, and we don't know what to make of it. We don't know what to think. And what does Jesus do? He begins to expound on himself from Scripture. He begins to explain from the very beginning, from the law and the prophets up until that present point, he begins to expound on who he is. And the Bible says that their hearts burned within them while he was talking. And they said, will you come back and will you stay with us? He goes, he goes to their house with them. And the Bible says that they sit down at this table and they're getting ready to break bread. Okay, They're getting ready to commune together. He's going to feed them. And he blesses the bread and he breaks it and he gives it to them. And the Bible says that their eyes are opened. And they can see who he is. They understand now who Jesus truly is. David said, taste and see that he is good. When people come in here, we need to allow them to taste and see. That's why we sing these songs. That's why we sing these, this, this worship music. You know why I love worship so much? When you come into the presence of God, we have 100% unfettered access to his throne. There's a story in the Bible about Esther who comes in and there were, there were all of these protocols and all of these uh, methods by which she was to, to come in before the king. And she needed to talk to her king and she tells her people to be, even be praying and fasting because there's a chance that she could die because she's not coming in according to the methods and the protocols that are established. But she comes in before the king and what does he do? He extends that scepter and he says, you are always accepted before my throne. Now, I don't know what it looks like up in the heavens. But the Bible says that there's 100 million angels around the throne and they're singing holy, holy, holy 24 hours a day. But something happens when the song of the, redeem, the redeemed is sung 
when the Bible says, let the redeemed say so. Say what? That, that we've been redeemed, right? That we've been pulled from the pit of hell, that we've been pulled from the wrath of God, and we're now in, walking in his favor. He says, he says when, when we sing the song of the redeemed, something happens. I don't know what it looks like in heaven. I don't know if God just quiets the angels down for a minute and just sets them to the side for a minute. But somehow, if there's 100 people in this room, he has our undivided attention 100 different ways. So when Pastor Jeff was up here and he said, he said, sing that song, you're never going to let me down. I would venture to say that there are some of us in here who there's just a little hint of doubt in there about that. Because you may have heard a lot of things about his character. Or you, may have, you, you, may have, you may have heard somebody, somebody speak on him. Maybe there was just a but you know what? First of all, let me say this. God's not afraid of our questions. You know that Jesus even had questions? You remember when he was on the cross? And he said, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Remember, remember the garden even before that? He said, Lord, if there's any way to let this cup pass for me, let, if there's any way, if there's, if there's a different way that it could be, see, he's not afraid of your questions. There was a man in the Bible who even came to him and he said, Lord, I believe, but help, please help my unbelief. If you're, if you're in that spot tonight, if you, if you believe, just talk to him because he's he's the only one who can do anything about that he said he's not only the author of your faith but he's the finisher he's not only the beginner but he's the perfecter he's the one who's going to see you through from the from the very he's the one who started you out in this race and he you know what he told his people he said i'm not going to lose one of them i'm not going to lose one that the father brought to me that means you in here tonight you are perfectly safe in god's hand He tells a crowd that you have to eat my flesh and drink my blood, okay? Now, in this passage of Scripture, you can look it up later. This is John chapter 6. He says, you got to eat. Now, and, and it says that a lot of people said at that time, hey, this is a hard saying to follow, and a lot of people went away from it at that point. Now, we poo-poo on that, right? Oh, no, they left Jesus, right? They walked away. But I want you to seriously think about this, right? Somebody is up here, Pastor G You know, before we came to this church, before we truly signed on to Elevate, I wanted to know what this guy was about. Okay, so we had come here a couple times, and yeah, it's cool, and he's up here and everything, and, and this looks really. I wanted to know what's in his heart. So ask, ask my friends. I downloaded every single podcast, and there were like two years of podcasts. I mean, we were listening to Jeff Workmeister like around the clock. My kids were, you know, so Ezra loved it, and then Nora was like, he's boring, Daddy. Like, it took, it took, it took Jeff a little while to grow on Nora. But imagine if on one of those podcasts, or if he got up here on one Sunday morning and he said, guys, here, here's what I really feel the Lord speaking. Um, in order to go to the next, you know, step that God wants us to go to, you're gonna you're gonna need to eat my flesh and you're gonna need to drink my blood, right? This is how this is this is how weird it's. I know it's scripture to us, right? We this is completely normal, and we this is how weird it sounded to them. What is he even talking about, right? If Jeff ever says anything like that, like this rear end's going straight out that back door, right? Jeff is woohoo, he's gone. Okay, he's left the building. And Ryan has too. But this is how crazy it sounds. And he says, but anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I will raise that person on the last day. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Now, by the way, this is right after, this is the day after he feeds the 5,000. The same crowd. Okay, they waited for him. It says he went across to the other side of the the lake or the river or whatever that they were on. They waited for him, and they went and they found him. So he's up on this mountain. Now think about this. He's, he's, he's getting ready to feed the 5,000. And you guys know the story that the disciples say, Jesus, how are we ever going to find enough bread to feed all these people? Where would, where would we ever get to pay for that? He says, look, sit them all down. There's one little kid, right, with two fish and five loaves of bread. I had to think about that for a second. Right? He says, he says sit them all down. And he begins to take the bread. The Bible says that he blesses it. And he begins to break it. And he hands it off. Now let's think about this, okay? This, we know that this bread multiplies, right? To, so much that they had 12 baskets left over. But how does this happen, okay? When he's breaking it and 
and he gives a piece to Kelly, can we see it like, do you think we can see it growing? Or do you think maybe just as he takes it out of the basket, like there's more in the basket? Like, what does this look like? I don't know. But these are the dumb questions that I ask all the time, right? But either way, one way or another, it is a representation of who he is. Okay, this bread. So, so they say to him, Lord, our ancestor Moses gave us bread from heaven. And they're talking about manna. And he says, no, 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 no. He stops him. He says, your ancestor didn't give you bread from heaven. My father in heaven gave you bread from heaven. And today... He gives you the true bread from heaven. This was a representation of who he is. And he takes these pieces off, and the more that they receive, the more that there is to go around. Now, when you take from Ryan, okay, you come and you ask to borrow money from me. I have less money in my bank account. You come and, hey, Ryan, I need your time. I need, I have less time. These, these accounts diminish, right? But something supernatural happens with Jesus. That when we come, and the Bible says he's magnified on the throne of our hearts, right? We can't make him bigger, but in our hearts, in our heart's mind, he's magnified. He's, he's getting bigger. He's actually growing. Something happens when we come and we partake of his favor and his grace and his blessings and his riches and his help. And all of these things that he said that we have 100% full access to, when we take it, and, and he breaks a piece, and we consume it. The more we receive, the more there is to go around. The more there is to receive. And when people come through that door, they're going to want to receive. It can only come from a place of overflow in us when we've been in his presence, when we've been sitting at his feet. Now, I'm the, I'm the Martha, right? I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the guy who's running around, and I want to do stuff. I'm an executor, right? I, hey, Pastor Jeff, you know, what do you need? I'm running around. Me and Drew are back there doing something. I'm just, I, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with Drew. Drew's a, a robot. But, so, but I'm, you know what I'm saying? I'm the type of guy who's wanting to do, right? And, and Martha says, Jesus, do you not care that my sister's just sitting there, right? She's sitting at his feet just ministering to Jesus. And he says, I love the way the, the Bible puts this. He says, Martha, Martha. I love that. It sounds like the Brady Bunch. Marsha, Marsha. Martha, Martha. He says, you worry about a lot of things. But there's only one thing that you need to worry about. And she's found the correct thing. You know, last night when we started, Pastor Jeff said, I feel like we just need to, I forget what he said, shake it off or something. When we come in and we've got work, you know, that kind of funk on us and We've been worrying about the things through our week, and maybe we're worrying about bills, or maybe we're worrying about the things even that God's called us to do. Maybe we're worrying about our future. He says you worry about a lot of things, and there's really only one thing you need to be concerned with. Tonight we found the right thing. As we feed on him, his character is revealed to us. Who he actually is. You know, we know who he is, right? We know he's God. We know he's the creator of the universe. Right? But the question is, what does that mean to me? Okay, what, what are his thoughts and his opinions and his attitudes specifically toward me? Does he want me healed? Does he want me blessed? Does he want me to be able to come to him literally in any situation and be able to ask him for the answer? To be able to ask him for the solution, to be able to ask him for the path forward. There was a man in the Bible who, who, uh, who came to him. The Bible says he was full of leprosy. And he said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me whole. I isn't that the question? Lord, are you willing? We know you can. If, if we're here and we believe in the theological construct of God, that he created the heavens and the earth, we know that he can. The question is, is he willing? Is he willing to do these things in my life? Even, see, I, he, here's what I believe. I think the enemy comes to distort his character. And I think he's been doing it from the very beginning, from the very first sin ever recorded. Now, so we know that Eve, she takes this apple, right? And you guys learned about this probably in your youth group or something. And she takes this apple, and it's kind of portrayed to us as the forbidden fruit, right? And she sees this, and she wants it. She desires it, and she eats it. But look at what the serpent really says. He says, 
did, did God really tell you you can't eat of any tree in the garden? And she said, no, 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 no. No, he said we can eat of anything in the garden except for this one tree we can't eat of because the Lord said, says that if we touch it, we'll die. You will surely not die. If you eat of that, your eyes are going to be opened. You're going to have revelation. You're going to have wisdom, and you're going to be like him, and he knows it. So it now becomes a question of, is God withholding something from me? And the Bible says that Eve was convinced. You know, if you've ever asked yourself one of those questions, you've been praying for something, you've been believing. I have a, I have a friend just here in the last month. He was seriously believing God for something. I mean, he's been believing, standing on faith for a while for this one particular thing. And this girl who was very, very close to him ended up getting that, that one thing. It was the craziest situation. I mean, I almost hurt, hurt for the person. But you, you think, God, are you withholding something from me? And the devil, the enemy comes in and he tries to distort that character of who God actually is and what he truly wants for you. And in order to understand his character towards us, in order to understand his attitude and his thoughts towards us, I believe we have to understand his thoughts and his attitudes towards Jesus. And I'll explain that here in just a second. But we're going we're gonna to look in 2 Samuel chapter 9. And I promise I'm not going to be long. <clears throat> but 2 Samuel chapter 9, you guys, um, you guys probably know this story. Most of you know who King David was. Um, but King David was actually anointed to be king in a really odd circumstance, a really different circumstance. That odd circumstance was this, that there was another king in place. Now, usually that doesn't go very well when God tells you that you're going to be king, but there's another king in place, right? That's usually a, a, a pretty bad thing. But, but he comes into this situation, there's, and, and, God, and Saul, the current king, has gone against God's word several times. God has told him that he's rejected him. God has anointed David to be the king. He said, in fact, I'm going to establish your throne. I'm going to establish your kingdom forever. And, and even, even today in the New Testament, a lot of times you hear Jesus called the son of David. And that lineage goes all the way down through David. This is a, this is a prophetic announcement. That has come across, but there's one little sticking point. Saul's son, Jonathan. And Jonathan and David are these best friends, right? They're besties. And they're hanging out on the weekends, and they're grilling, and they're going to the movies, or, you know, whatever that they did to hang out, shot arrows, and, you know, whatever back in the day, right? They were best friends. And now, normally, when this happens, when, when, when a new king comes in, they go in and they kill everybody in the old king's household, right? Or at least all the men and all the boys because they don't want somebody one day coming up and coming and trying to take vengeance and, and kill their whole family and try to take the throne back. So this is a, a typical thing that happens. And so, and so what, what's going on is David and Jonathan, uh, I'm sorry, Saul and Jonathan are out to war. And, and when they're out there, they get killed, right? And the word comes that they've been killed and David is now going to be king, and he's going to take over the throne. So the entire house of Saul and the entire house of Jonathan, they're in an absolute panic. And there's one little boy, his name is Mephibosheth, and that's Jonathan's son, right? And Mephibosheth, the Bible doesn't say exactly what happened, but somehow he's, he, uh, he's being carried by like what we would call a nanny today in the rush of everything. And they're packing up, and they're trying to, re they're trying to flee, right? They're trying to run. They're trying to hide in refuge. And so, so, so she picks him up, and she's carrying him. Somehow she drops him, and we don't know exactly what happened, if his ankles were broken and they were never set right or whatever. But somehow he becomes crippled, and he becomes crippled for the rest of his life, okay, Mephibosheth. And so we pick up the story five to ten years later, most scholars believe, in chapter 9, verse 1. And it says, one day David asks, is anyone in Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness to for Jonathan's sake? Now here's what David and Jonathan did. They went out and they made a covenant with each other. Okay, And a lot of scholars believe, the Bible doesn't talk about this specifically, but one version says a blood covenant. A lot of people believe that they took a lamb and actually killed the lamb, and they walked through the lamb with each other. And they made a covenant with each other. And, and David told him, he said, when God makes me king, I will take care of any of your people who are left here in this, in this country, in this kingdom. They made this blood covenant with him. 
So he says, is anyone of Saul's family still alive? Anyone to whom I can show kindness to or Jonathan's sake because of this covenant? I believe that today God is asking, is there anyone in Elevate Church that I can show kindness to for my son Jesus' sake? Is there anyone in Cincinnati that I can show my goodness and my love and my kindness to because of Jesus' sake? See, if it's based on me, I know that's no good. If you've met me, if you like anything about me, I promise you, it's Jesus, because I know what I am. And there's a scripture in 1 John that says that we can come to the day of judgment with boldness. When I read that for the first time, my mind was absolutely blown, that I can come up to the throne of judgment on judgment day with boldness. Let me share with you what I kind of thought the day of judgment would look like, okay? I die somehow, hopefully in a positive way if there is such a thing, right? And I come up to the pearly gates, all right, and St. Peter, I don't know, if why, is, why do we believe that St. Peter is going to be there? Is, that's got to be like a Catholic thing or something, I don't know. But anyway, we come up, right, and the pearly gates open up, and I come in, and there is God the Father sitting on the throne of judgment, ready to judge me for my entire life, okay? Now, here's the way I picture that going. God kind of leans over. So, okay, let's establish this right now. You shouldn't be here, okay? We may or may not let you in, okay? But, but let's just put it on the floor. You have no business being here, right? Because I know what I am. I know my very worst faults. I know the things that, well, my wife knows a lot of faults about me. But I know everything about me. And I know that God sees every intent of my heart. But you know what he says in 1 John? He says to come to the throne of judgment with boldness. How can we possibly do that? There's only one way. Because of Jesus. I don't know if we're going to have free will when we get up there and we're at the, we're at the throne of judgment. But if we do, I can promise you this. I hope you guys are in line or whatever behind me when I step up. Because if Jesus is sitting down over there, I'm going to point straight to him and go, he did it. He's the one. He, he was the one who started me out in this. He was the one who finished me in this. It was him. It was all him. It was always him. It's always going to be him. It is absolutely 100% Jesus Christ. I have nothing to do with me being here. And it was only my belief in the perfect work that he accomplished on that cross that got me here to this point. He says, is there, verse, let's go to verse 3. Then the king asked, is anyone from Saul's family alive? If so, I want to show God's, I like the way he says that. I want to show God's kindness to them. And Ziba replied, yes, one of Jonathan's sons is still alive. He is crippled in both feet. Where is he? The king asked, in Lodabar. Ziba told him, now Lodabar, the best translation you can get of that is place of nothing, okay? This guy is in hiding, right? I grew up in a place like this. Anybody ever heard of Woodsdale, Ohio? Get, you know where Woodsdale, Ohio is? You're the only other person besides me in Cincinnati who knows where Woodsdale is. You did? Oh, my. I didn't know this about you. Okay, so Woodsdale, Ohio, this is like Lodabar, okay? It's cut off from all communication. It's cut off, it means land of no pasture. It was just nothing good at all going in there. If you went into any of the houses at any time, there was just bad things happening, okay? This is Lodabar, and, and this is a child of promise. Now think about this. This guy grew up in the laps of, lap of luxury, Mephibosheth did. He was in the king's kingdom, Right? He was the king's grandson. He had access to everything. And one day his dad was going to be king. And they probably told him that one day he was going to be king. And now he's off hiding in this place of no communication, of no pasture, completely cut off. And so the king calls to him. King David calls him. He says, I want him to come here before me and stand before me. And so verse 7 says, 
This is what King David says to him. Don't be afraid, David said. I intend to show kindness to you because of my promise to your father, Jonathan. I will give you all the property that once belonged to your grandfather, Saul. And you will eat here with me at the king's table. Mephibosheth bowed respectfully and exclaimed, Who is your servant that you should show such kindness to a dead dog like me? And then the king summoned Saul's servant Ziba and said, I have given your master's grandson everything that belonged to Saul and his family. You and your, son, you and your sons are servants to the farm. Uh, and servants are to farm the land for him and to produce for your master's household. But Mephibosheth, your master's grandson, will eat here at my table. Verse 11, Ziba replied, yes, my lord, the king, I am your servant, and I will do all that you have commanded. And from that time on, Mephibosheth ate regularly at David's table like one of the king's own sons. I think somebody just needs to hear tonight, there's a place at the table for you. In the New Testament, there's this concept it, it talks about the Old Testament priests, and it talks about how that they didn't have a right to, eat, to partake of the sacrifice, to eat of the sacrifice. But today, just as Pastor Jeff said from Psalm 23, we're going to read that here in just a minute. From Psalm 23, he prepares a table before you in the presence of your enemies. Listen, this is not a table of lack. This is not a table of demand. It is a table of supply. It has every single thing that you need for the rest of your life. He says everything that we need according to life and godliness is through the knowledge of the one who called us. As we behold him, as we partake of him, as we partake of who he is, everything that we need is wrapped up to into, into that. Listen, it's not that he has the answer in his hand that you're looking for. It is that he is the answer. It is that he is the solution that you're looking for. And through him and in him and by him is the path to every single thing that you need. See, this child of promise, Mephibosheth, who was one day, he was going to live in the mansion. He was going to live in the kingdom. He was possibly going to be the king. But now he's, he's living in refuge. And he's hiding from a king who would only serve to bless him. And that reminds me of where the world is today. When I go to work, I promise you, I see it every day. I see people who are hiding, and they're afraid, and they don't want anything to do from a God who would only serve to bless them. To bring them before the king's table and say, you know what, I know that you're grafted into the vine. You weren't a part of this. If you're not a Jew, then, then you weren't one of God's original children. You were grafted in. But, but you can sit at the king's table and eat bread continually and partake of Christ continually just as if you were one of the king's own sons. That's the spirit of adoption. That's what he brings us into. And see, this family picks everything up, and they're packing everything up, and they're trying to run, and that's how they end up dropping this little boy. And it's because they didn't know that there was a covenant. They didn't know that there was a covenant made on their behalf. The Bible says that he has given us, he has reconciled us to the Father. And then he's given us the message of reconciliation. Do you know what that means? That we're to tell this world, hey, calm down. God's not mad at you anymore. He's not angry with you. In fact, he poured out his wrath on his son Jesus, and Isaiah 53 says that he crushed him, and it pleased God to crush him. Why? So that he didn't have to crush you. And all through the Bible, even in the Old Testament, all the way up through the New Testament, the very last chapter of the New Testament said that the Spirit, talking about God, right, the Spirit, our communication with God, and the bride, this group, this body of believers, are to speak the same message, to speak one thing, and that word is come. Come. If you're bad, come. If you're good, come. If you've had a terrible week, Come. If you're addicted, come. He said those Old Testament priests made the same sacrifice day after day of those animals, which could never take away sin. But this one man came and offered one sacrifice for sins forever, and then he sat down at the right hand of the Father. And so, therefore, draw near with a, he's, he's telling us, he's giving us a commandment. He says, draw near with a true heart in full assurance of the faith. With nothing wavering. Why? Because the one who promised is faithful. You're not faithful. I'm not faithful. 
I've been unfaithful. But the one who promised is 100% absolutely faithful. You know, I really believe that the Lord spoke to me. Actually, last night I was praying about this. And I believe that he spoke to me and he, and he said this. That some of you were, were spoken over, like given a word. That's probably a bad way to say that. So, some of, God had spoken to you somehow through a prophetic person or somehow he had deposited some type of promise in you. A promise that he gave. And because it's been so long that you've sort of given up on that promise. That there were dreams. There were dreams that some people have had. Dreams of things that you're to do. That you have completely let go of. Maybe not a conscious decision that, oh no, that wasn't God or that wasn't meant for me. But you just let go. You stop thinking about it. You stop dreaming about it. And I believe tonight he's going to resurrect some of those dreams. He's going to bring some of those things, things back to life. See, the cares of life, you know, when, when Martha's running around, the cares of life, they can, they can get you down. And you're going to work and you're worried about your family and you're worried about your finances and you're worried about all the things that are going on in life. You remember when the, uh, the, Jesus was in the boat? And the disciples were out there, and a big storm comes, and the waves are crashing up against the boat. And the Bible says that there's water coming into the boat, and that they're about to sink. And Jesus is asleep. And you can almost hear the anguish in their voices when they say, Jesus, do you not care? This is the way that the Bible writes it. Do you not care that we're going to drown? See, don't mistake Jesus' demeanor of rest for a lack of caring. He's not resting because he doesn't care. He's resting because he's got it handled. You know when you rest is when, you've, when, you, when it's taken care of, when the work is done. You know, the Bible says that God created the, the, the whole world and the heavens and the earth in six days, and on the seventh day he rested. Wait a second. If God doesn't sleep or slumber, why did he rest? Because the work was finished. And when Jesus is down there in that boat, he's not worried about those disciples. He knows exactly what he's going to do. And believe me, he's not up there wringing his hands about your situation. Wondering how he's going to take care of you. And wondering what he's going to do in, in your situation. He is calm, he is cool, and he is relaxed. And he has got everything 100% in his control. And he's not worried about how he's going to work it out for you. And if we set our eyes on him, if we set our face to him, he brings that peace over us as we understand his character, as we understand what he likes, what, what he's like. You, you know what some of, the, some of my favorite stories in the Bible are? It's, it's the, I want to say this carefully, it's the stories where it looks like God failed. You remember Lazarus, now we all rejoice over that, right? And we know the whole story, and Lazarus come forth, and he came out, and woo, you know, everybody's, but think about this, Th these guys were believers, and they're around Jesus' friend, Lazarus, as he's dying, and can you imagine if we're all there, and we're praying over this guy, I mean, we're believing, right? We're knowing that he's gonna, he's gonna come, come out of this. Right? And hey, don't worry, buddy. Hang on. Jesus is coming, and he's your friend. He's never let us down, right? He's never let us down yet. And he'll be here in time, and we know that. And all of a sudden, this guy breathes his last breath. Can you imagine what they were thinking? And when Jesus is walking up the road, Martha comes out to him. Again, it's Martha. He, she comes out to him. Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Jesus says, Jesus says, Martha, calm down. Your brother's going to live again. Lord, I know he's going to live in the resurrection. And you know what? He cuts her off. He says, I'm the resurrection. It's not an answer that you're looking for. It's me. You know, when Jesus was hanging on that cross, those two guys, Cleopas and the other per guy or girl, I don't know, 
They were probably down there, and, and all of these disciples are around Jesus, and they're hanging up there. And see, we know the scriptures today, and we know how this all worked out, right? But they didn't know that. They thought, they thought Jesus was the Messiah. They thought he was going to come, and he was going to restore Israel to its right position, and he was going to come and, and, and take care of these Roman guards, and he was going to take care of this stupid priesthood that had been set up and had gone completely awry and completely corrupt, and he was going to make all things right. And now he's up here hanging on this cross, and it's looking bad. Now, we know, we know, we're praying, and we believe that at any time, a legion of angels are going to come down, and they're going to pull him off that cross, and they're going to they're kill all these Roman soldiers, and they're going to put us all in a right place, and he's going to take care of everything. And he rattles off this prayer to God, and he breathes his last breath, and he hangs his head and dies. Can you imagine how they felt? But see, what they don't know is he's pulling off the greatest act of love to ever be recorded in human history. See, we see a tiny piece of this puzzle. We see a small piece. Tonight, I believe he wants to reveal his character to some of us. And as we partake of him, as we receive from him, forgive me for the way that I say this, but as we take from him, as we take from who he is, our eyes are open and we have revelation on the true character and the nature of God in Christ. We're going to do a physical act here that, that has to do with a very spiritual symbolism. We're going to take communion. And probably m most everybody in this room has, has done this before. But as we do this, I just want to read this to you. And they can put it up on the screen if they want. It's Psalm 23. Most of you guys are probably familiar with this. I just want to read this to you very quickly. It says, the Lord is my shepherd and I shall not want. I want you guys to really just think about that for a second. I like the way the Portuguese, so my wife and I used to live in Brazil. And the way the Portuguese says it, he says, o senhor é o meu pastor e nada me faltará. It, it translates to this a little bit different, I think, than the English. He says, the Lord is my shepherd and nothing shall be lacking from my life. Some of you just need to say that. The Lord is my shepherd. Come on, say this with me. The Lord is my shepherd, and nothing shall be lacking from my life. Come on, say it one more time. Say, the Lord is my shepherd, and nothing shall be lacking from my life. He makes me lie down in green pastures. You know what? I know when my kids need to lay down. Sometimes they'll come in, they'll come in from school, and they're cranky or something, and I, hey, go lay down. I wish somebody would tell me that sometimes. Just go lay down, Ryan, and don't worry. When you wake up, I'm going to make you food. I'm going to cook you something to eat. He says he makes me lie down, and not just anywhere, but he makes me lie down in green pastures. He restoreth my soul, and he leads me in paths of righteousness. For his name's sake. No matter where I walk, even if it's through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil because you are with me. Your rod and thy staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. In the presence of everything that would come against you, in the presence of depression, in the presence of anxiety, in the presence of fear, in the presence of addiction, in the presence of a low self-esteem, in the presence of anything that has ever come against you, he prepares a table before you. And you know what? He sits you at the seat of honor. You anoint my head with oil, and my cup is running over. It's running over to my family, and to my friends, and to the people that I work with, and to the people around me. It's running over as I partake of who he is, and more is multiplied. This cup is running over and over and over and over. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life. Listen to me. Thank you. 
goodness and mercy are going to follow you every stinking day for the rest of your life. You don't have any choice in the matter. Surely, goodness and mercy, you know what? I'd love to just get that tattooed on my two arms just so I see it every day. Just so I look down and I see goodness and mercy. Goodness and mercy are following you every day for all of your life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Listen, if you've ever asked yourself, Lord, am I even gonna make this? Maybe some of you are in college and you're saying, Lord, by the time I'm done with college, am I still, am I even gonna be walking in the faith? I'm gonna declare over you, you're gonna dwell in the house of the Lord forever. This congregation has been called to dwell, to live, to abide in the presence of the Lord forever. Listen, this is just a blip on the radar. This whole life, believe me, I'm, 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 I'm in my late 30s and it feels like I was, I was just five a year ago, right? This is just a blip on the radar. You're gonna wake up and you're 40 and then all of a sudden you're 60 and then all of a sudden you're 80. And then all of a sudden we're in eternity and we're looking back and this was just a faint blip on the radar. All of those trials and troubles that seem so difficult, the things that we pass through, it's just going to be a, a distant memory. The things of this world grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. Come on, let's pray. Does everybody have your bread? Okay, you're okay. If you, uh, if you already have your bread, you already have your cup, would you just close your eyes? Listen, there's not one thing that I can say that if it's not birthed from God's spirit that's gonna have any effect whatsoever on, on your spirit. But if you look in his face, if tonight you can truly partake of who he is, if you can truly take from him, if you can truly consume who Jesus Christ is, more can be done in that than in a thousand sermons and in a thousand church services. So Lord, we declare tonight, you are the bread of life. You're the true bread and, and anyone, who, anyone who partakes of you they're not ever gonna be hungry again. He said, sir, give us this bread every day. He said, I'm this bread. This is me. And as you partake of him tonight, listen, if you have a sickness in your body, for, for those of you who, who have got some kind of disease, who've got some kind of sickness going on in your body, tonight we're gonna believe that as we partake of who Jesus Christ is, that we're gonna receive healing in our body. See, there's something interesting about bread, that bread has to, the wheat has to be beaten. And you've heard the, of the separation of the wheat and the chaff. The, 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 the wheat actually has to be beaten, just like Jesus' body. And then you take the, the dough and you, when the leaven is put in it and you have to knead it together and you have to press it and you have to break it and you have to beat it. And so when, when we take a piece of bread and it's literally torn apart like this, this is, a, this is a representation of Jesus and his body and the stripes that were taken for you. Lord, we believe that you're the bread of life and we believe that if we come and we partake from you, Lord, we're never gonna be hungry again. God, we wanna partake of you continually. So Lord, we ask you, Father, to help us. God, to let us set our eyes on you, to let us set, set our face like a flint God, that nothing else would matter. Father, that anything can be going on in this old world with politics and with, 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 with the news and things that, are, things that are happening all around the planet, Lord, that we could consume ourselves with. Lord, we're only worried about one thing tonight, and it's the right thing. Take and eat. Lord, we take this cup.
church by this way that you've invited us to come. Lord, it's a new way. There were standard procedures and there were protocols and there were methods that the Old Testament, that unfortunately they had to go through in order to come before the presence of God. But by this cup and what it represents, we have been given full access to your throne. Lord, we believe in that blood. We believe, Lord, that as we partake of it, God, that others are going to come and they're going to want to see what you're like. They're going to want to know who you are. Or let our declaration be taste and see that the Lord is good. Take and drink. Pastor Jeff, if you would come up here. We're going to pray tonight. And if you have something going on that you truly need a miracle for, if there's something that you've been believing God for, or if you're one of those people that I mentioned, you've been given promises. And you've been given, there's something spoken over your life. I'm going to tell you, as I was preparing this, God reminded me of a promise that he had given me. This has been years ago. And I was holding on to this promise for a long time. And I kind of just let it go. It's not that I don't believe it. I just, I don't know, I kind of forgot about it. If there's promises that were spoken over you, would you come tonight? We're going to pray and we're going to declare and we're going to believe some stuff. And as people come forward, here's what I'd like to have. I'd like for the rest of this body, it's, it's not going to be Pastor Jeff or me praying for everybody. I'd like for the rest of you to come forward and begin to pray for these people. And listen, as you do, there's, there's just one thing that I would ask. Okay, we're not going to get around them and there'll be a bunch of confusion. Just everybody saying, you know, everybody praying. I want one person to come up and pray for that person. And then the rest of you agree with that one person. And here's what I believe. I believe that miracles are going to happen tonight. I believe we're going to see some really incredible stuff break loose. And as we go into tomorrow morning, yeah, today's Saturday, right? As we go into tomorrow morning and tomorrow evening, we're going to see God move in some really incredible ways.